You know, throughout the Bible, we're told to remember. In fact, the word remember is found 148 times in Scripture. Consider some of these examples. And no, I'm not going to give you all 148 instances today. But Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 8, God commands us to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In Deuteronomy 7 and verse 18, God says, Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but thou shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. Deuteronomy 24, 18, Remember and forget not how thou provokest the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness. Psalm 105, verse 5, Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. To young people, Solomon wrote, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Luke chapter 17, verse 32. Three very simple words. These are the words of Jesus Himself. And He simply said, Remember Lot's wife. Remembering is an important part of the Christian life. I'd like you to... Maybe kind of keep your hand there in, in, uh, in Psalm 77. And let's turn over to Joshua chapter number 4, if you would, please. I'd like to show you a special instance where remembering and memorials are, were very important. Joshua chapter number 4, verse number 1. O came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people. Out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan. And take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. So this idea of memorials is not something new. This is taking place way back when Israel was able to, the children of Israel were able to pass over the river Jordan into the promised land. And they had set up a memorial to help them remember, to remind them to remember. And so this morning, I want to encourage all of us this morning To remember, to remember. Sometimes it's easy to forget to remember. Um, And I want us to remember this morning, especially as we go into this weekend and as we uh, remember, especially those who sacrifice so much for our freedom. So this morning, what are we to remember about those who died? First of all, this morning, I want to encourage us to remember their cause. We remember their cause. We remember the fact that these brave individuals enlisted in the army and in the Marines and all the other armed forces. Why would they do that? 
Why would they enlist? Probably a lot of soldiers, once they enlisted and gone to boot camp, asked themselves the same question. Why did I get myself into this? What in the world was I thinking? But what would cause them to do such a thing? To put their life on the line? Was it for money? I remember as a 16-year-old young man sitting in a uh, Marine Reserve office. And they were trying to get me to become uh, a, a reservist for the Marine Corps. And I remember they promised the moon and then some. They tried to get me to, uh, we'll pay for your college. We'll do this. We'll give you all this money. And it was sounding pretty good. Well, certainly money is not enough to pay for a life. Was it for prestige? I want people to respect me because I, was in, I served in the armed forces. Or was it heritage? Well, my dad and grandpa and, and uh, my great-grandpa all served, therefore I, I must serve. Was it pride? Was it to look good in a uniform <laughs> and to impress a special young lady? Sure, those are probably factors in one's decision to put their life on the line, but I assert this morning that it was much more than any of those reasons. What would cause our military to have for enlisting and serving to the point of death. As I thought about that, I thought of a verse in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 17, verse 29. You don't have to turn there. This is after David comes on the scene when Goliath for 40 days and 40 nights is defying the armies of Israel. And David goes and delivers groceries. He's the, he's, you know, before there was grocery delivery, that you have an app for? David did this for his brothers. And they didn't have to use an app. His, his, their dad sent him and, and said, David, you're going to start a new business. It's going to be all the rave. Back oh, over in 2019, they're, they're going to have apps for this. It's going to be great. Well, David was the first grocery delivery boy, and he delivers groceries to, the, to his brothers there in battle. And he, he asked what's going on, and And then he said in verse 29, David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? In other words, David said, there is a cause worth fighting for. I'm thankful for over the the years here and the decades and, and even centuries here in America, there have been men and women who have realized that there is indeed a cause worth fighting for, worth giving their life for. So what cause was worth risking at all? And by the way, as we think back even further to Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us, uh, what cause did Jesus have, too, for going to the cross? Uh, what, what, what causes did they fight for? Well, first of all, they fought to provide freedom. To provide freedom. You know, these soldiers who signed up to serve and to put their lives on the line, they were fighting for freedom, to provide freedom for those who needed it. Those, were, uh, those who were sacrificed in war gave us political freedom, and I'm thankful for that. But of course, Jesus Christ came to provide freedom as well. What kind of freedom did Jesus come to give? Political freedom? 
Well, that's what everyone thought when he rode on a donkey into Jerusalem on that very first Palm Sunday. They thought he was going to deliver, deliver political freedom to them and from the Romans. And, and, and they were excited about the fact that, hey, no more taxes. <laughs> no more Roman bondage. It's going to be wonderful. Vote for Jesus. You've got my vote, Jesus. As long as I don't have to pay taxes anymore. But when they realized that that's not why he came. He didn't come to provide political freedom. No, he came to provide spiritual freedom. Freedom from our sin and freedom from eternal judgment from that sin. John 8, 36 says this, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Jesus fought the armies of hell so that we might have liberty in his name. Romans chapter number 6 is a great chapter of the Bible. And it talks about the spiritual freedom we have in Jesus Christ. I'd like to read a few of those verses. If you'd like to turn over there, you're certainly welcome to. I'm going to highlight a couple of these verses in this chapter. Romans chapter number 6. Verse number 7 says this, For he that is dead is freed from sin. You see, we we were under the bondage of sin. And yet Jesus came to give us freedom from that sin. And then verse number 9, Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Verse number 14 says this, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. Verse 20 says this, For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness. And the end everlasting life, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, it was Jesus who paid the price so that we could have freedom. The cause that Jesus had and the cause that our Brave men and women who have enlisted in the armed forces. They wanted to provide freedom. That was the cause they were fighting for. But also to protect freedom. To protect freedom. Many times our brave military personnel went into battle to protect. And to preserve the freedoms that were under attack. I think about after 9-11. Our freedoms were under attack. And so we went to go protect that freedom. And I'm grateful for those who do that. Thank God for our brave military who through the monotonous everyday tasks all work together to be a mighty army that protects our national freedom. Oh, tomorrow, or maybe not tomorrow because it's a holiday, but, uh, but tomorrow is those, or Tuesday, who those who go into work and report for their duty and to do their tasks, they're probably thinking it's just another day. But really, without them, we would not have the freedom that we have today because they form this mighty army just by doing the everyday tasks, by doing the paperwork that they dread so much, by uh, making all those reports and, and checking in with all the people and doing all that they do. It protects our freedom every day. I'm thankful for that. But I'm also thankful as a Christian that in Christ my freedom is protected because His sacrifice on the cross 
is enough. In other words, I am secure in his hand and will always be secure because of what he has already done. And I am completely protected. My freedom is protected. So on this weekend and really throughout every day, we ought to remember their cause. Why they fought, why they served, why they were willing to sacrifice so much. It was to provide and to protect our freedom. But, but not only do we remember their cause, we also remember their courage during this weekend. Courage. Uh, Adrian Rogers, who was a pastor of yesteryear, great preacher, great man of God. He often told about the man who bragged. I mean, he was like bragging that he had the courage to cut off the tail of a man-eating lion. So he'd go around and brag about, I cut off the tail of a man-eating lion. And he did, he's like, and I did it with my pocket knife. That's how courageous I am. And uh, somebody asked the question, uh, why didn't you cut off the lion's head with your pocket knife? And the man replied, well, somebody had already done that. <laughs> No wonder he was so courageous. <laughs> FDR said this, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. And for these brave individuals, these courageous individuals who would go into battle, they were no doubt fear, filled with fear. But they realized that something was more important than the fear that they were experiencing. Eddie Rickenbaker said this, Courage is doing what you're afraid to do. There can be no courage unless you're scared. J.K. Chesterton said, Courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live taking the form of readiness to die. I'd like to read a, a diary entry of Captain Alistair Bannerman. He wrote this entry into his diary on June 6th, on D-Day, as he was making his way to Normandy. He said, it is now 0300 hours in the morning, and I have just been up to the bridge. It is rather light because the moon is shining, though heavy clouds cover her. One can see the row of small ships and of darker balloons silhouetted in front and behind us against the gray sea. We are still rolling a little, but the wind has subsided somewhat, thank heaven. The captain and his first officer are on the bridge. They make sure where we are and look for the colored lights which should guide us through one of our own minefields. You, my angel, sleep gently in the nursery, I hope. He's, of course, writing this diary a little bit to his wife. He said, your thoughts have helped me so much. They have given me real strength. I can imagine how you listen to the news at 9 o'clock and think of me with love. I hope that Andrew's golden head rests gently and quietly upon his small pillow and that Richard is nice and comfortable lying in his narrow little carry cot. With me sleep three officers, James, Raff, and a special Navy officer who is really only a traveling observer. How childlike and natural we all look when we are asleep. I slept almost from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock, 
and must now go back to the bridge if I am not going to fall asleep again in the stifling and sticky atmosphere. James relieves me at four o'clock, and then I have a few hours to myself before dawn breaks. I have wakened James. A long line of flares hangs over Cherbourg, or I suppose it is Cherbourg. I'm not, saying, I'm not sure if I'm saying those right. And a few anti-aircraft tracer shots go up in the air above the immediate front line. Funny to imagine that their uh, Germans run around their guns. I would like to know what they are thinking. The whole channel between us and Cherbourg is filled with little ships, which all quietly and efficiently sail toward France. The British, Canadian, and American fighting forces on the warpath. I heard that our CO has also landed, therefore our infantry must be there by now. God bless them and good luck to them. I do not believe that I can write, uh, I can now write for very long. We can now see the French coast and very soon we will have to play our part. I must go now and look for the landing markings with my binoculars to ascertain our landing points. So my darling, on we go. I know that you're with me. Come on, the bannermans. Let us be gay. God bless. I love you. The courage of a man, no doubt filled with fear, about ready to go into severe battle. Jacqueline H. Lewis. Lucas's first display of courage was signing up for the Marines during World War II at the age of 14. He was patrolling two Iwo Jima ravines when the Japanese attacked throwing two grenades directly in, onto Lucas's position. And here's the courage of this man. Lucas shoved one grenade into the ash, laid himself over it, and then grabbed the second grenade and pulled it underneath himself as well. Lucas somehow survived. He underwent 26 surgeries and retained 250 pieces of shrapnel in his body for the rest of his life. No doubt he was recorded. He was awarded the Medal of Honor by President Harry Truman. Elmer Davis said this, This nation will remain, I'm sorry, will remain the land of the free only so long as it is the home of the brave. I think about David. We mentioned him a moment ago. When he faced Goliath and the courage that he displayed in that moment. It doesn't even really appear that he had any fear, but, but he had all the bravery and the courage one could muster because his faith wasn't in himself. It was in the Lord his God. Minoa Savage said this, The brave die never. Though they sleep in dust, their courage nerves a thousand living men. And I hope that it will nerve us today to be courageous in the battles that we face in our lives as well. One summer morning as Ray Blankenship was preparing his breakfast. I, here's another story of bravery and courage I'd like to share with you this morning. He gazed out his window and saw a small girl being swept along in the rain-flooded drainage ditch beside his Andover, Ohio home. Surprised it's not an Oklahoma home. Uh, Blankenship knew that farther downstream... The ditch disappeared with a roar underneath a road and then emptied into the main culvert. Ray dashed out the door and raced along the ditch trying to get ahead of the foundering child. Then he hurled himself into the deep churning water. 
Blankenship surfaced and was able to grab the, the child's arm. They tumbled end over end, and within about three feet of the yawning culvert, raised free hand, felt something, possibly a rock, protruding from one of the banks. He clung desperately, but the tremendous force of the water tried to tear him and the child away. If I can just hang on until help comes, he thought. Well, he did better than that. By the time fire department rescuers arrived, Blankenship had pulled the girl to safety, and both were treated for shock. On April 12, 1989, Ray Blankenship was awarded the Coast Guard Silver Life-Saving Medal. The word is fitting, for this selfless person was at even greater risk to himself than most people knew. Ray Blankenship can't swim. And yet, because of his courage, he was able to make it happen. Those are some great examples of courage, no doubt. But this morning, I want to remind us of the greatest example of courage of all. And that was of our Lord Jesus Christ. As he was facing the cross, as he was about ready to go into spiritual battle that no one will completely ever come to terms with and understand completely. Luke chapter number 22 details what was going on a little bit in his mind as he was about ready to face the cross. As he was about ready to pay for my sin and yours, as he was about ready to become my sin and yours and to pay the ultimate price so that we could be free. Luke 22, verse 39. It says, And and he, Jesus, came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, verse 44, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He was in great agony, knowing what he was about to experience. Jesus is God, and so he is omniscient. He knew what he was about to experience. He said, I, I don't want to do it. But he said, I'm willing to if it's your will. And aren't you glad that he went through with it? Aren't you glad that he paid the price? Aren't you glad that he died on the cross for you? Where would we be if he, wasn't, if he didn't have the courage that was necessary to go forward to the cross? So today, let's not forget the courage of those who've gone before in our country sacrifice so much for us and let's not forget the courage of our dear savior who is willing to go to the cross for you and for me so we remember their cause we remember their courage and then lastly this morning we remember their cost we remember the fact that they gave it all this weekend we remember the fact that many of our military personnel when they entered combat did not Come out of it. They paid the ultimate sacrifice in the line of duty. 
In fact, according to Wikipedia, and I know that it's not the most trustworthy source of all time, according to Wikipedia, over 2,852,901 brave soldiers have given it all so that we can live in freedom. And that's from start to finish in our nation's history. 2.8 million individuals have died to provide you the freedom to be in church this morning. Tomorrow, when we go and enjoy a great time eating and fellowshipping and playing, it was those 2.8 million individuals who gladly gave their lives so that we could do that. Joseph Campbell said this, A hero is someone who has given his or her life to something bigger than oneself. Theodore Roosevelt commented, Never throughout history has a man who lived a life of ease left a name worth remembering. I'm thankful especially for the fact that Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He would know, since that's exactly what he did for us when he died on the cross for us. You know, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, one of the things that we're doing is we're remembering. We're remembering his death. We're remembering the fact that he's coming back for us. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Share a couple more stories and we'll be done this morning. Again, I know that some of you are sleep deprived. So we'll try to get you home to get a nap this afternoon. It is gratitude that prompted an old man to visit an old broken pier on the eastern seacoast of Florida. Every Friday night until his death in 1973, he would return walking slowly and slightly stooped with a large bucket of shrimp. The seagulls would flock to this old man, and he would feed them from his bucket every Friday. Many years before, in October of 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbaker was on a mission in the B-17 to deliver an important message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. There was an unexpected detour which would hurl Captain Eddie into the most harrowing adventure of his entire life. Somewhere over the South Pacific, the flying fortress became lost beyond the reach of radio. Fuel ran dangerously low, so the men ditched their plane in the ocean. For nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would fight the water, the weather, and the scorching sun. They spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed their rafts. The largest raft was nine foot by five foot. The biggest biggest shark, ten feet long. But all their enemies at sea, one proved most formidable, starvation. Eight days out, their rations were long gone or destroyed by the salt water. It would absolutely take a miracle to sustain them. And a miracle occurred. In Captain Eddie's own words, Cherry, that was the uh, B-17 pilot, Captain William, uh, Captain William Cherry, read the service that afternoon and we finished with a prayer for deliverance and a hymn of praise. Oh, there was some talk, but it tapered off in the oppressive heat. With my hat pulled down over my eyes to keep out some of the glare, I dozed off. 
Must have been a good Sunday afternoon. Time for a nap. Now, this is still Captain Rickenbaker uh, Baker talking. Something landed on my head. And at that moment, I knew it was a seagull. I don't know how I knew, but I just knew. Everyone else knew, too. No one said a word, but peering out from under my hat, without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were staring at that seagull. That seagull meant food, if I could catch it. And the rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the goal. Its flesh was eaten. Its intestines were used as bait to catch fish. The survivors were sustained and their hopes renewed because a lone seagull, uncharacteristically hundreds of miles from land, offered itself as a sacrifice. Well, you know that Captain Eddie made it. And you also know now that he never forgot. Because every Friday evening about sunset, on the lonely stretch along the eastern uh, Florida seacoast, you could see an old man walking, white-haired, bushy-eyebrowed, slightly bent, and his bucket filled with shrimp was to feed the gulls, to remember that one which on a long day past gave itself without a struggle like manna in the wilderness. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for you. Don't forget. Remember to remember. Remember to remember. May we never forget that freedom isn't free. And may we remember to remember their cause, to remember their courage, and to remember their cost.